0: I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service.
1: Praise God. We've got some good things to share with you today. This is a packed full day of... Uh, just this, this date is a, is a packed full day. Plus what has happened, uh, you know, in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, you know, I've been able to be in the Philippines and the last two Sundays uh, uh, preached there and I'm going to be sharing a little bit of that. I'm, it's not going to be a, a, a formal testimony kind of thing, but it's going to be just things I'm going to share as, as we go along today. But, um, you know, I want to uh, share those things with you. But I, I want to bring your attention to something that happened 21 years ago today and uh, something we should never forget. Um, you know, in September of last year, I stood in New York City at the site of the uh, the Twin Towers and, and s- saw the memorial there and uh, the uh, the names of all the, the lives, the names of all the people, the lives that, that were lost that day. And, uh, I don't know if you remember where you were 21 years ago today when you heard the news. Uh, you know, I remember where I was. I, I walked in, um, we were living, at, on, uh, Halebueno Street at that time. And, uh, I walked in the bedroom that morning, and uh, uh, my wife told me what was happening. And so I went and checked it out, and and uh, um, you know it, it was just a, a devastating time. And we were get, we were getting prepared uh, to uh, to celebrate our uh, church anniversary. And uh, we had a guest speaker coming in, and uh, um, he had a plane ticket to, to fly in. Pastor David Emai was supposed to be here from Oklahoma, and uh, so he was flying in. We were going to go pick him up at the airport and, uh, and bring him in. Uh, and we're really looking forward to celebrating that time. And he called me, and he said, you know, all the flights have been grounded, I can't, uh, I can't fly in he says um, uh, he said'll he said, let me talk to my wife about about this and see if we can drive And they did. And uh, so they, they drove in and, and did our anniversary service the the next week and uh, uh, but he brought us a, a powerful word that week that, that really helped us to... To uh, face the things that, that that we as a nation were were being challenged with, but uh, you know, as I stood at the site of those towers, I I, I when I found out we were going to New York, uh, when we when we figured that out, and my wife and I just our wedding anniversary actually is September 9th. and so we. We had a church anniversary, uh, technically, on the 8th, our wedding anniversary on the 9th, um, and and then the actual celebration of the church anniversary was going to be the next week. We had to delay the, the celebration that year because uh, of the schedule of our guest speaker. And uh, so and little did we know that the... Uh, of what was going to happen, but uh, but anyway, last year my wife and I went to New York to to celebrate our wedding anniversary, and one thing I I wanted to do for sure when we went to New York is I wanted to go see the side of the towers, and uh, uh, you know I'm I'm telling you that as I stood there that day, I was just overwhelmed. I I was moved to to tears, and. And I thought, we can never, as a nation, we can never allow this to happen again. And what is the, you know, you say, well, what can we do to prevent it? Well, here's what we do. First of all, we pray for our nation. Secondly, we get involved in the process because I'm I'm here to tell you today that that. That day, 21 years ago, we were attacked by an enemy from outside. But today, our nation is being attacked from an internal enemy. And we must involve ourselves in the process. I've never stood on this platform and told you how to vote. And I will never do that. That's, that's not my job. But I will tell you how to know how to vote. And that is, you pray, you ask God, you read God's Word, you see what God's principles are in His Word, and you apply those as you make your decisions. But vote, absolutely vote. Praise God. Don't neglect voting is a gift from God. Don't neglect the gift from God. To be involved in the process, to be involved in 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 what goes on in our nation, you know, our our nation we are uh, a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And so that means you, the people. It said. Not just uh, not just a government for the people, but a government by the people. Praise God. So it's not by the people unless the people become involved. Praise God. So I want to urge you to be involved in the process. Now, for different for everybody, that's going to look a little different. It might mean you need to run for office. It might need, mean that you need to support someone who is running for office. It, it might mean that you need to get involved in their campaign. It might mean that you need to write your congressmen, that you need to write your senators, that you need to write your, your, your elected officials. But be involved, praise God. Don't sit idly by and complain about what is happening in our land if you're doing nothing about it. No one person, there is no one person that can do it all. It's just like the commission that the Lord gave to the church to go into all the world and preach the gospel. No one person can go into all the world, but corporately we can. No one person can can save our nation, but corporately we can. Praise God. And so let's be involved in the process. Now, I'm going to move on beyond that today, but I want to add this one thing. The Lord spoke to me several years ago. It's been a, been a few years ago. And He said, you know, I started praying Second Chronicles uh, 7.14, if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my faith. I started praying that. And the Lord said, when are you going to believe that I did, that I am healing your land? Because we preach, you believe you receive when you pray, right? Okay. So he said, when are you you going to stop asking me to heal your land and start believing that I am healing your land? And so from that day on, he challenged me with this. He said, Tell the people I am healing their land. Now, see, here's another thing about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, in other words, your faith has nothing to do with what you see. So, you may say, well, we see evidence to the contrary uh, of God healing our land. I'm telling you something That faith says he is healing our land. Praise God. Praise God. And I encourage you to get that on your tongue and begin to say that. Thank you, Lord. You are healing our land. Praise God. Praise God. Now, with that said, I want to, um, you know, we've got several things I need to do. I, I needed to talk about that. I need to talk about Philippines trip. I need to talk about church anniversary, and then I have a message for you, okay? Think, think we can get all that done today? <laughs> Praise God. Well, um, let me just give you a, a, a brief uh, synopsis of, of the Philippine trip. And uh, really, my purpose in going to the Philippines this time um, was was not so much... Uh, an evangelistic mission as much as it was a a mission of encouragement to our Philippine pastors. Now, we're always going to give an invitation for people to receive Jesus as their Savior. We're always going to do that. And we're always going to expect that we're going to come back with a report of people coming to know Jesus as their Savior. Praise God. But that is not always the mission, and it's not the only mission that is important. And uh, and, and I, I say that, and uh, for you to understand that sometimes when we don't bring back a report of big numbers of, you know, we have 300 salvations or 500 salvations, or, you know, sometimes there are things that, that occur that... Don't directly translate into people making decisions for Christ. Now, ultimately, it translates into that. All right. Ultimately, that is the that is the goal in everything we do. And and uh, you know, I may stand here on this platform and preach to you about maturing, which I did earlier this year. That doesn't directly translate into people coming forward at the end of the service and accepting Jesus. But ultimately, when we mature, it means salvations. Praise God. And, and so that's the ultimate goal. But, but I want you to, under, I needed to preface that because we had eight people that made a decision for Christ in the Philippines. Now, we rejoice over eight. We would rejoice over one. Praise God. But we had eight people make a decision for Christ, but there was much more accomplished. Now, let me just give you an understanding of of, these. This was the first uh, out-of-the-country trip abroad that I had made since the pandemic began. In fact, uh, in 2020, I arrived home one week before the world shut down. And uh, um, I, had, I had been in the Philippines and, and got back one week before everything shut down. But, uh, uh, you know, sometimes we think about how hard those days were, how hard those times were. And, and you know, and, and I'm here to tell you that we have not fully recovered from everything that. That, that happened during that time. You know, uh, this, this room should be much more full than it is. But there are some people that during that time, they decided they didn't need church. Uh, there are some people that, uh, that wandered off and did other things and, 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 and never came back. Uh, but that aside, um, we think we had it hard. But as one who has who has traveled to other nations, it reminded me once again how blessed we are in this nation. And you know our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Philippines. Um, you know the, the Philippines is is uh, a, a uh, is a poor nation by comparison to uh, to our nation. In fact, um, you know, most of you would be considered very wealthy in in the Philippines. Um, Although in this nation, you know, you may not consider yourself to be that. Uh, And I'm talking about material things. I'm talking about financially. Uh, But, uh, you know, our... uh, Involvement with the pastors there, and really, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we took on uh, the Word of Life pastors uh, and, and brought them under—not uh, under our authority. That's not the kind of relationship we have. I'm am a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm a mentor to them. I'm not an authority over them. They—they, they, under the direction of the Lord Jesus. Direct their own ministries, okay, and so that that's how it works. That in fact, when when we took that on, that I insisted that that's the way it be. I said I don't want to be over you. I don't want to govern your ministries. Uh, I want to be a friend. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a mentor to you, and, and and help you in any way that I can. And so that is the kind of relationship that we have with them, but. Um, these friends in the Philippines, when the pandemic hit, the country shut down much tighter than what this country does. In fact, our friends, uh, Ray and Nelly, German, that, that oversee Word of Life Philippines. Um, and, uh, you know, and we out of this church, we support Ray and Nelly in a, in a financial way. Um, But but one of the things, their daughter was in Bible school on a different island. She was about ready to graduate from Bible school, and then she was going to come home. When everything shut down, she couldn't come home. She was stranded on another island for two months, not able to come home. And she told me I talked with her the, uh, last week, and and she told me that uh, there were uh, that she had to go out at times. That you had to go out to get supplies to get food, but uh, but she said there's military, armed military everywhere to make sure, and they're checking your papers to make sure that you have a permit to be out. Um, and no, th- this is a country where most people don't own a vehicle. Um, now, if you see the number of cars in Manila, you would think everybody had six and drove them all at the same time. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that's only because Manila is a city of 14 to, 14 to 17 million people. Um, and so... You know, you can understand why even though most people don't own an automobile, yet there's so many automobiles on the street. Um, but uh, most people rely on public transportation. Uh, jeepneys. If you want to know what a jeepney is, uh, If you better hurry and go to the Philippines with me or you're not going to ever see one because they're becoming a thing of the past and I said, I won't even know I'm in the Philippines if there's no jeepneys. Because uh, the Philippines is the only place in the world you can see a jeepney. And uh, um, it, it was when, when U.S. troops pulled out of the Philippines after World War II, uh, they left behind military jeeps that the Filipinos cut them in two, extended them, and turned them into a jeepney. And uh, so that became the the primary mode of transportation. It became like a little small bus, and all over the Philippines. But they they have now uh, uh, they, they've now passed legislation that they're phasing them out, and there won't be any more soon. And uh, because they uh, puff black smoke everywhere they go, and uh, you know, uh, but anyway, um, I'd like to get my hands on one before uh, before they become extinct. Uh, but anyway, um, people rely on the jeepneys, which is like a taxi, uh, and then they have a tricycle, which is a motorcycle with a sidecar, which I spent quality time in a tricycle this trip. <laughs> and... Uh, um, you know, like hour-and-a-half drive uh, in a jeepney and then an hour-and-a-half drive back, and, or not a jeepney, in a, a tricycle. And uh, so it's not comfortable, by the way. Uh, it was not air-conditioned. The faster you go, the cooler it is. And, and so, um, you know, it, it, but uh, that those are the primary modes of transportation, but those were shut down. And so there were people that were from the province. In other words, they lived out in the country, in the small towns, in the, you know, out in the province. And there were several of them. In fact, our our, our friend Pastor Ray uh, received calls from people saying, I'm in Manila and I can't get home. You have a vehicle. Can you come get me? And he made numerous trips to Manila to pick people up and take them home because they could not, they were stranded. They couldn't get home. No public transportation. And uh, so uh, this is also uh, a a country of over 7,000 islands. And so many people on other islands couldn't get, the the ferries aren't running. And so some of them found somebody with a private fishing boat that would, would take them back to their, uh, to their island. Um, but, uh, you know, th- these are some of the things that they went through um, in, uh, in dealing with the pandemic, and we think we had it bad. But what we have was, was very mild, and, and I dare say that the Philippines was not the worst. Uh, that there are probably other countries that were wor- that were worse than that, um, but it, but it makes us grateful for what we have in this country. Praise God, praise God. But but I must say this: that the Philippine pastors and the 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 people of their churches. You know, I, I preached in. Uh, on Meranduke Island two weeks ago, and uh, and preached at their church anniversary service, and they had a house full that day. Praise God. Then on Wednesday night, I preached in Bulacan, Word of Life Bulacan. They had a full house that night. I preached again on Sunday at Word of Life Bulacan, and they had a full house again, praise God, because the people were hungry to be in the in, in church and, and to be under the word of the Lord, and, uh, and we had a great time. In fact, I'll tell you, on the Wednesday night service, I had eaten something that did not do me good, and uh, I've never, in, in all of my travels, this was my 20th time to the Philippines, and in all of my travels, I've never had anything like that before. But it did not do me well. And uh, that's enough said about that. But uh, that night I went into, uh, into church and I was not feeling good. And the, the worship began and they came to the last song of the worship set. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I was on the floor worshiping the Lord. I didn't want to get up off the floor. I didn't want the song to end. I didn't want to preach because uh, just the glory of the Lord in the house. Now, I, I finally did get up, and it took me a little while before I could preach, before I could even begin to to, to speak a, a, a sentence. And uh, uh, I, that night, I preached. My, my, I was strong, and uh, and then, as soon as service was over, whatever it was, hit me again, and uh, so lasted. F- to, uh, a total of about three days, but I I'm, uh, I got over it and and, and I'm good now. So uh, you know I'm I'm healthy now. So thank you for praying for me. I don't know who got who woke up in the middle of the night and prayed for me, but if you did, thank you. Praise God because I definitely needed it. And uh, you know, well, pastors, that scary. You're gonna not go. Oh no, I'm going back. And. Uh, Devil don't scare me that easy, but uh, but anyway, um, with that said, you know I, I want to report that um, the the churches in the Philippines are healthy. The churches in the Philippines are are progressing with 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 uh, uh, their calling and their mission. I was able to have uh, part of the plan was to have lunch with the pastors, and to, as many of them as possible, because they're scattered all over the place. We had to, I had to eat several times, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, and so somebody's got to do it, uh, but, you know, it's, it, was, uh, it was my pleasure, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to, to bring back a good report, and, and we're going to go back again. And so, if, if you've been wanting to go with me, uh, start start saving your money. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that, uh, praise God, somebody called me, and uh, I didn't have the money to go, and somebody called me and said, I want to pay for your trip. So, that, that's that's why I quickly made a trip, because I knew I needed to get there as quick as I could, but... but uh, uh, the Lord put it in somebody's heart to to, to pay for that. And so, uh, you know, for that, I'm grateful. And, uh, uh, you know, but make a decision to go. I, I'll tell you right now, you, you should plan on um, $3,500 uh, to go. And uh, if you don't have a passport, get a passport. And... Uh, if, uh, it, I, I don't preach vaccination, but I'm here to tell you the Philippine government will not let you in the country if you're not vaccinated. So, yeah, there's nothing I can do about that. That's not my decision. That's theirs. And uh, it's their country. They can do what they want to do. Uh, but uh, but anyway, that's, that's the story on that. And so uh, with that said, now let's talk about Word of Life. Carlsbad, 31 years. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, we planted this church. God birthed the vision in my heart when uh, Jason was about a year old. And uh, I was standing in my brother's driveway in Tulsa, Oklahoma and talking with him and God began to speak to my heart about pastoring a church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Well, I was nowhere even close to being ready to pastor a church. Um, And so, I began to prepare. Now, nine years later, Word of Life Carlsbad became a reality. But it had been in my heart I, I was, uh, let me just say it this way, uh, it, it was birthed in my spirit nine years bec- before it was birthed into this world that we see. And uh, so, something that I, I began to understand about vision is that when a vision takes a long time, um, there are Various possible reasons for that. One of those um, could be that, uh, you know, anybody, you had had something that was really urgent, but you just dorked around and didn't get it done. Anybody ever have, have one of those things? All right. That's one reason why vision takes a long time. That's not the only reason. But that's one possible reason of why vision takes a long time. Uh, another possible reason is that much preparation is needed. And, uh, you know, and really I did not dork around. Um, <laughs> even though you may say, well, you're a dork, okay, but, uh, uh, but it wasn't because <laughs> I was dorking around. We were actually preparing for the vision, but much preparation was needed, and every day I am thankful that even though I tried to get ahead of God, uh, I tried really hard, but thank God for His grace that prevented me from getting ahead of Him. Praise God! And because I could tell you that today I wouldn't be here, this church wouldn't be here if I had gotten ahead of God, um, and so. I want to talk today about some things about vision. And I really found this in 2 Chronicles, the 29th chapter. And I encourage you to read that entire 29th chapter of 2 uh, of Chronicles. And I'm really mostly today just going to refer to this. Um, but uh, Hezekiah had become king... Of Israel, and uh, or king of Judah, I should say, he become king of Judah. And if you read back previous chapters in in uh, Second Chronicles, you see king after king after king after king that that arose, and they had been through a whole myriad of kings, and some did what was evil in the sight of the Lord; some did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Now. Hezekiah's father, who was king before him, was an evil king. And um, Ahaz was his name. And he had done evil in the sight of the Lord, and he had allowed idolatry to to come in, and people were worshiping other gods and the house of the Lord. In fact, Ahaz had even taken uh, the treasures of the house of the Lord and given them to kings of other nations and uh, uh, in, in uh, you know and, and begin to worship their gods and, and their idols and so the house of the Lord was in ruins and the the place was trashed um, and you uh, so Hezekiah becomes king, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And, and the first thing that he did was he opened up the house of God, opened it up, and he, and he went in, and they cleaned the place up, and they um, they, they restored the house of God and, and prepared it. For worshiping the Lord, and um, and the thing that they did, it it actually took them eight days to do it. Now, now I, I, I say that to 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 say this: it doesn't have to take you a lifetime to get your act together. It doesn't have to take you. Years, I, I hear people say, well, I'm just going through some things. I'm just trying to get myself together. This was a nation, and they did this in eight days. They restored the house of the Lord. And so, when things have gone bad, all you have to do is make a decision you're going to get right. Make a decision that you're going to get things together and, 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 and put it together, praise God. And when you make that decision, see, the thing is, you're going to have supernatural help to do it. Praise God. The grace of God will meet you right where you are. And this is why people, uh, you know, you, we, we look around sometimes at people that their life has been a mess, and then all of a sudden they're worshiping God. And, oh, well, I knew them yesterday. I knew them last week. I knew, no, it wasn't that long ago when they were doing this. Well, you know, it didn't take you all that long to get things squared up, praise God, when you'll decide to do it, praise God. And so um, the the, um, the house of God has suffered neglect, but they went in and they made the repairs. And then they got rid of all the trash and they cleaned the place up. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 29, verse number 36, it says this, And Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. So God had already prepared their hearts. He had already prepared them for what he was about to do, that he was about to restore them. Praise God. Some of you, maybe you need a restoration in your life today. It can happen quickly. Praise God. Praise God. It can happen quickly. And but but God begins to prepare your heart. See, the first thing that He does, He begins to put a desire in your heart to get things right. Praise God. Now, in Second Peter chapter 3, verse number 9, notice this the Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, sometimes when we think that the vision that God's put in our heart is taking too long, now, uh, I I know I said it doesn't take long. I wasn't talking about the vision there, I was talking about your personal decision to get yourself together. All right? And the decision as a, as a church to get ourselves together. Praise God. And, and I'm telling you that, that we made a decision early this year that we were going to grow up. And I'm telling you, I am amazed at how fast things begin to turn around in this church. Because we made a decision that we were going to mature. We were tired of being babies And we were gonna be, we were gonna mature, and we were gonna grow up, and we were gonna, and 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 when we did that, but see, now vision is a different thing, because vision sometimes takes time, and one of the things that, um, you know, that the one reason that vision sometimes takes time, or sometimes we think it's taking too long. Sometimes it's really not taking too long. We just think it's taking too long. And is that we think God is slack concerning His promise. Well, God told me to do this, and it's just not happening. Well, well, don't be so quick to say God's not doing anything. Don't be so quick to say God's slack concerning His promise. Don't be so quick to say, well, you know, it should have happened by now. You know, like I said, it took nine years for us from the time God birthed this vision in our hearts until it became a reality. And really, I think that nine years was a long time, but when I look at people like Abraham and, and, I, and, and I see people like, um, like Noah, Bible tells us that that God talked to him and he said the days of man is 120 years so if we if we study he's really talking about from the time God told Noah to build the ark until the flood came was 120 years now that's a long time all right nine years is not a long time but to me that was forever okay and so, but we think God is slack concerning His promise, but I'm here to tell you that when God's put a vision in your heart, don't start thinking that God is being slack concerning His promise. God told you, well, I'm going to do this for you. This is going to happen for you. This is gonna, don't, don't start thinking God's being slack concerning His promise. You know, I know people that, uh, uh, well, they get a vision from God and they think it was supposed to happen yesterday. Um but that that's our human nature to be impatient. Uh, but the fruit of the spirit is what long suffering, patience, you know. Um, now in 2 chronicles chapter thirty, verse number one we read this it says and Hezekiah went to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim, and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, uh, to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at the regular time, because a sufficient number... Of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. So I want you to notice something that happened here. God had put this in their heart. Eight days it took for them to clean up and restore and repair the house of God. And yet, when it came time for them to celebrate and to to celebrate the Passover together, they couldn't do it on time because a sufficient number, not a sufficient number means that there have been some that did, but others had not. There was not a sufficient number of the priests that had consecrated themselves. You, you see, see, do you see what I'm saying? That... This is one reason why vision sometimes takes a long time. It's because we don't do the necessary things. Now, the the people did what was necessary. The people came in and they cleaned up the house of God. They got it all ready, and then the priests weren't ready. You see that? No. When, when we refuse to get in the move of God, when we refuse to do what God's directing us to do, when we drag our feet, what do you do? The whole nation could not celebrate the Passover because some of the priests had not consecrated themselves. So there was a there there was a A few that had not done what they needed to do, and therefore, the whole nation is now delayed in the vision. Now, I want your purpose in your heart. I'm not going to be one of the ones that's dragging my feet. I'm going to get on board with what God's wanting to do. I'm going to get in the flow with God and, and do what I need to do so I can be ready for what God wants to do, praise God, praise God. Now, Second Chronicles chapter thirty. Let's go on and read verse number seven. Uh, it says and and do not notice. Uh, he's speaking here. He says, "Do not be like your fathers and your brethren who trespassed against the Lord God." of their fathers so they gave them up to desolation as you see now do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were but yield yourself to the Lord and enter his sanctuary which he has sanctified forever and serve the Lord your God with the fierceness Uh, uh, that the fierceness of his wrath may be turned away from you. Now, remember, this is under old covenant, and God would turn uh, away from the people because they didn't keep the the commandments, because they didn't keep his ordinances. Now, thank God for the day of grace that we live under. But yet there is a principle that we need to understand here. Now, I'm not worried that God is going to reject us because some people don't get on board. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that, that you know, uh, because of Jesus and because we're under grace, uh, that we're not worried about the wrath of God because He poured out His wrath on Jesus. But what we are concerned about is that we are ready to move with the flow of God, that we're ready to go into what God has prepared for us. And it is not an issue of God being angry and, 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 and pouring out the fierceness of his wrath upon us, but let's don't take it that just because we're under grace that we just kind of slough off and, and neglect what needs to be done. Praise God, praise God. We, you see, our motive for what we do is different than what theirs was. Their motive was that God would accept them and be pleased with them and 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 and, and uh, turn away His wrath from them. Well, I've got to tell you that today God has turned away His wrath from us he has turned his wrath on Jesus praise god so that but our motive today is because of what God has done now our motive is love we love him we serve him because we love him and we love him because he loved us see we're not even capable of loving him except for the fact that he loved us his love is is shed abroad scripture says is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy spirit in other words he has poured his holy spirit into us and filled us with his love but we as because we are still in a flesh and blood body sometimes we can get complacent and sometimes we can just get uh, just settle in and and uh, we're talking about vision and why vision sometimes takes a long time because we can just get settled in and get comfortable and really not do what we need to do to see the vision come to pass. I'll give you an example of that. You know, when we get comfortable and we stop inviting people to church, you know what what happens? then we stop seeing new faces. What happens then? We stop seeing you know the the, the numbers on in attendance begin to decline because we're not inviting people because we're not caring for the ones that we have because we're not reaching out to the ones that we that, that are that are here that may be struggling you know, and uh, and reaching out to them because uh, you know sometimes we get complacent and we we uh, w- when when we're supposed to serve we don't show up uh, when uh, when we need people to serve people don't volunteer you know I, I'm just I'm just talking about some practical things of of how we can delay the vision. But when we all wrap our minds and our purpose around the vision and we begin to go full force toward this thing, praise God. You'll be amazed, you know, at how fast things can turn. You'll be amazed at how fast we can approach this. See, what happened here? Things happened suddenly. But then there were some that didn't prepare there were some that weren't ready. You see, we need to all be on board. Right. When, when every joint, Ephesians says, when every joint supplies, it's what it's been given to supply. It causes growth of the body. Praise God. Now, let's. another thing that happens with vision is we get comfortable where we're at and we start being satisfied where we're at I have seen I've, I've seen some things that, that have happened really with uh, with people who have had a call of God on their lives uh, to be in ministry, to, to be pastors or whatever. I, I know one particular person, that, which shall remain nameless, but uh, I, I know one particular person that, has, uh, that I won't say had because I believe that the, that the call of God is without repentance and the call is still there. But there is a person that at one time had a, 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 uh, a, a driving, burning desire to be a pastor. And today, that person has never pastored, and, and this was several years ago, and this person is not even interested in pastoring now, has, has no desire whatsoever uh, to, to fulfill the call of God on their life. They just let that slip aside, and and. and, and pushed it aside because they could not endure the time element that was involved. And, you know, I'm going to speak a little bit from experience, and really, this church should have been planted in 1990 instead of 1991. But I began to fall into the comfort thing. I had a staff position at the church that we were serving in, in Oklahoma. I had a staff position there, and it was easy to just get up and go to the office every day. It was easy to just go about my, my duties in, in the church, my, uh, the, the things that I had been hired to do. It was easy to just do those things and stop really pressing toward the vision. And then one year uh, in 1990, uh, Pastor E. and I went to a—we uh, w- were both members of an organization called uh, uh, International Convention of Faith Ministries. And uh, so we went to the, to the national uh, convention that year, which was in our, our own city— uh, was, was held in Tulsa that year, and so we both went to that. And on the last night of the uh, of the convention, the president of the uh, of, of the organization got up and gave his presidential address to the membership. And we had a, a banquet that night, and he gave his presidential address to the to to the membership, and um, then there was a guest speaker, but. Uh, then the president began to prophesy that night, and here's what he said. He said, there are some of you that I told you to do some things, but you haven't done them. By the time we have this convention next year, I want them done. Now, that's the word of the Lord speaking, and I could have been the only person in the room Because that was a word right straight at me. In fact, I had just told that same afternoon when Pastor Ema and I were having lunch together, I told him that uh, I felt like I was a little late in, in doing what God had called me to do. And so then he gets up and he begins to speak by the word of the Lord and said, By the time we have this convention next year, I want it done. Well, needless to say, it, it, it got done. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, and we're here We're here today. But, uh, you know, it, when, when God begins to speak some things to our hearts, sometimes we can get settled in and get comfortable where we are and get satisfied, and we stop pushing toward the vision. Praise God. Now, another thing that happens, and I also, I, I told you, It's the grace of God, right? The the grace of God is why we're here today, because I almost got caught up in this other thing, too. Well, no, I did get caught up in it. Not almost. I did. Let's just be honest here. I did get caught up in it. All right? And uh, I, I, I tried to mess up. I tried to get ahead of God. But thank God for His grace that He didn't let that happen. Praise God. I started trying to give birth to this vision prematurely, and so I, I did some things you know in that time I wasn't ready for. I went to a a uh, there was a, a church in a nearby town that the pastor had resigned. And uh, a friend of mine told me about this church that they were looking for a pastor or or were going to be looking for a pastor. So I contacted them, and they invited me to come down and to to preach on a Sunday morning and to to interview with the board, and I did all that. And they told me, they said, said, okay, our bylaws tell us that we have to uh, have a vote of the membership, and uh, uh, they said, but we're going to make a recommendation that they that they vote you in and that that you uh and, and bring you in as the pastor of this church well they, they their bylaws said that they had to give at least a 2 week notice before that vote could happen and so, so okay well a week went by and then they called me and they said, well, we're not going to have that vote uh, because they had talked to someone else who had convinced them that that uh, some other things that they didn't have a right to choose a pastor or something like that. But, uh, some, you know, and really it was a dumb thing, but it was God that kept me from getting in trouble. Um, I learned about a pastor in um in Pueblo, Colorado, that this man his ministry, he had a really apostolic ministry in that he would plant a church somewhere, and then he would pastor that church for a period of time and then bring in a pastor, set that pastor in, turn the church over to him, and then he would go do the same thing in another place. And great call of God and the great ministry that he had in doing that. Well, someone told me about him. So I called him, and I said, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to come up and meet with you. So I drove to, to Pueblo, Colorado from Tulsa, Oklahoma, drove to Pueblo, Colorado, and, and met with this pastor and his associate in his office. And they said, well, why don't we go to a local restaurant here, and let's have some lunch. And we went, sat down at lunch. He asked me two questions. I don't even remember what the questions were, but he asked me two questions, and I answered the questions. And he looked across the table at me, and he said, uh, "You're not ready." He said, I- "I'm not even going to take you to this church." He said, "You're not ready." Man, I was furious because I had I had driven for twelve hours to get there and to interview and he asked me two questions neither of neither of which really he said you need to go back home and you need to find yourself an associate position so you can can learn some things so now how did you know that from two questions and so i'm furious and i i went out to my car that day to to leave and the spirit of the Lord said to me, he said, here you are pouting because of what they said to you. He said, you should be thanking me because I put those two men in your path to keep you out of trouble. Now, that's sobering. That, that'll bring you back down to where, where you need to be. And... Uh, so, so I've tried to do it both ways. I've tried to get ahead of God. I've tried to drag my feet and, and, and get behind. And thank God for His grace, praise God, and we're here today. I, I will say I'd rather be a little late than a little early, praise God. Because, um, you know, but I found that these two things happen with vision many times. And many times when we we drop the vision and we, we just, we neglect, God gives us a preparation time, but we don't actually prepare. And then when the time comes for it to be fulfilled, we're ill-prepared. And... Because we're ill-prepared, now we spend a whole lot of time trying to prepare after the fact. And sometimes this new baby that we just gave birth to doesn't survive because we didn't take, while it was in the womb, we didn't do the health care that needed to be done. And so I've seen that happen a lot. And so, uh, you know, these are the things that, that, that happen with vision sometimes. But we need to be prepared and we, we need to, when God gives us preparation time, my pastor used to always say this, preparation time is not wasted time unless you waste it. You know, what a powerful statement that is. You've got to think about that sometimes to to let that sink in. Preparation time is not wasted time unless you waste it. We think that just because the vision is delayed in our mind, you know, maybe it's right on time in the mind of God. But it's delayed in our mind, and because it's delayed in our mind, we think it's not going to happen. All right, now let's let's bring this down on a personal level. We've talked about it in my ministry, okay? Uh, I I've uh, I've owned up to uh, to to my mistakes in this, but let me just say this: What about what about uh, what about a single person that? God has given someone uh, that there's a desire to be married, but they can't wait for God to bring the person along that they're in, that, that He has prepared for them. And, and because they can't wait, they marry someone they shouldn't have ever married. Now, let me let me kind of Fix this statement here so you understand. I'm not saying maybe you married the wrong person. Don't even ask that question. <laughs> if you're married, it is God's will for you to stay married to who you married. Amen. All right? And if you married the wrong person, there is a grace of God for that. Amen. There is a grace of So don't ever even ask, well, God, did I marry the wrong person? Never ask God that question. If you did it, it is His will that you make it work. Praise God. Praise God. So, but sometimes people marry someone they shouldn't have ever married. And they miss the one they should have married, see. Now, there are times when... uh, you get tired of waiting for promotion on your job. So the day before the position that you were believing God for comes to you, you quit your job and go to another job. So somebody else gets the job God had prepared for you. It is an, it is of vital importance to, that when we have a vision from God, that we walk the vision all the way through and don't get impatient, but we wait on God. Praise God. And, 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 and how many other things in our life? How many times do people make major decisions in their life without ever consulting the Lord? without ever seeking the counsel of wise men and women that God's put in their lives around them to, to, to advise and to help to talk you through. You say, well, you know, I don't, I don't need to have somebody else's permission. Well, you're right. You don't need to have somebody else's permission. But you might need their wisdom. Praise God. God puts people around you with some wisdom to speak into your life sometimes. Praise God. And though you don't, you're an adult, and, you know, see that, that's a pride and arrogance issue right there. I'm an adult. I don't need anybody's permission. I don't have to have my mama tell me what I can do. That's a pride and arrogance issue. Maybe that's what God's wanting to work out of you is the pride and arrogance thing. And so God will... He will surround you with people that can speak wisdom into your life, not people to tell you what to do, but people to speak wisdom into your life so you can make good decisions. But if you neglect what God's put around you, then we make mistakes unnecessarily. We get ahead of God. We get behind God. We, we, we get in rebellion against God. We get, and, and God desires us to have a blessed and good life. But he's got a way to get us into that blessed and good life. Praise God. We have got to learn to follow Him. We've got to learn to be patient. And when the when when there is a vision in your life that God's put before you, whether it's a vision for ministry, whether it's a vision for marriage, whether it's a vision for uh, a, a new job, whether it's a vision for um, a new home, whatever the you know whatever the vision is that God's put in your life, then. He's got a plan, and you need to find His plan, and you need to follow His plan. Praise God. He knows how to get you where you need to go. Praise God. But we've got to learn to trust Him. So, wait. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 24. It says, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. So, God's put a hope in your heart, but we're impatient, and we we can't seem to stay with the plan sometimes. Praise God. It says, For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope... For what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, notice the, the, the contrasting words there. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. There's an eagerness about the vision, there's an eagerness about what God set before us, there's an eagerness to fulfill it, but we have learned perseverance so that we can wait on the Lord. Praise God. Likewise, the Spirit... No, no, notice this. Did, did you ever know that uh, that verse 26 follows verse 24 and 5? Well, of course you knew that, but, uh, you know, <laughs> did, did you ever think about that verse 24 and 25 talk about hope, then verse 26 tells us how to eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness. What's our weakness? In in this context, Now, God's Word is is alive. And God's Word can speak to you about one thing today and something else tomorrow. But uh, out of the very same verse... But in the context of what we're talking about today, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps our weakness. What's our weakness here? Our weakness here today is to get lackadaisical in the things of God. It is to get comfortable and and forget about the vision. It is to get ahead of God, to get too anxious, to, you know, but here is how you wait With eagerness, but perseverance. Here's how you do it. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I encourage you that if you're having trouble waiting... Instead of saying, okay, well, I've got to do something. Instead of getting so anxious that you go and do something you shouldn't do, that you quit on the vision, instead pray in the Spirit. Praise God. Pray and let Holy Spirit pray through you the perfect will of God. And when we'll learn to pray in the Spirit, when we'll learn to speak in that unknown tongue and just begin to, to, to pray mysteries, the Bible says, we speak divine mysteries, when we'll learn to do that, and, and every time we have a, uh, a temptation to jump ahead, every time we get, uh, uh, have a temptation to lag behind, pray in the Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he says, for he makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praise God. In other words, when you don't know, you're thinking, okay, God, you know, when is this thing going to ever come to pass? Pray in the Spirit. What does it do? It settles this thing between your ears. It will settle that. Why? Because when you pray in an unknown tongue, it takes this out of the way. Our spirit prays, but our understanding is unfruitful. But it settles our mind. Praise God. Praise God as we begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. So you talk about the vision as though, what does Scripture say? God calls those things that be not as though they were. God talks about things that be not as though they were. Praise God. We talk about things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. So if God's called you to be a pastor, talk about being a pastor. If God's called you to be married, talk about being married. If God's talk, you know, what whatever I mean, talk about promotion, talk about the vision that's set before you. Now, not to everybody. That's just wisdom to not talk to everybody. All right, because there are some people that you ought not talk to about these things. But you need to have some some confidants that are going to steer you in the right direction. Some some people who are going to help you stay on track. Some people that are going to be there, God told me, He said, I put these two guys in your path to keep you out of trouble. God's probably put some people in your path to keep you out of trouble. And when He's put somebody in your path to keep you out of trouble, they're probably not going to tell you what you want to hear. That's probably how they're going to keep you out of trouble. All right? They're going to tell you some things that you're not seeing clearly. They're going to see them because they're looking from a different perspective. They're going and and it's uh, you know they they're going to they're going to be honest with you. That you need some people around you like that, some people that you can talk to, some people that will will not discourage the vision, but will calm you down. Praise God. He says, "Hold fast your confession, for He who promised is faithful." And then Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So these people are not only going to slow you down and and and, uh, and add some wise perspective to this, but they're also going to encourage you. They're going to stir you up to love and good work. They're going to stir you up to go ahead and see this vision through to completion. Right. But at the same time, they'll be honest enough to say it's not time. Yeah. It's not time yet. You know. Need to be patient. Need to pray. You know, I've had people come to come to me with ideas and they want to do it today. And I said, Well let's, let's pray about that. I've had some people get mad at me because I suggested we pray about it. You know, but we need to pray about it. We need to see what the Lord's saying about it. Praise God. Praise God. Then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Praise God. We have had a lot going on today, and I know we've gone long, like real long. And, uh, you know, of course, I did say in preparation for today, uh, a couple months ago, we're going to throw the clock away. (laughs) So so, uh, thank you for bearing with me today. Thank you for, for still being here. Praise God. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I really do appreciate that. Praise God. And uh, you don't know how much I appreciate that. But uh, God had, has given us some things that needed to be said. Praise God. And 31st anniversary of our church, this was the right time to say them. Praise God. Praise God. But I I don't ever want to close any service without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And the reason I don't want to do that is because the reality of the thing is we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised next Sunday. But we have a moment right now. And a moment right now says, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you cannot afford to wait. You need to do it now because Jesus said you must be born again. If you do not be born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. But that's not to condemn people who are not born again is to say, get born again. Praise God. Praise God. So if you have never been born again, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Praise God. So I'd like everybody to just pray this along with me, and if you pray this for the first time, and you mean what you are praying, then according to God's Word, when we say amen, which means so be it, at the end of this prayer, you will be instantly born again. You will be instantly transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Praise God. So everybody this morning, let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus to die on a cross for me, to pay the penalty for all of my sins. And I thank you that you raised him from the dead so that I could have new life. Today I choose to put my trust in you for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.